right? You're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, and that is... James Davis. You know it. We're going to be breaking down Week 14, game by game, through the main slate on FanDuel and DraftKings. There's not a ton of injury news. We did do a cash game podcast yesterday, so we'll nod to some of those players uh, that we mentioned uh, you know, at each position. I think that those are starting to round themselves out. There's going to be some decisions we have to make. I, we have a bunch of guys, I think, that end up in the... I, I'm mostly curious where the rest of the industry is going to sort of label some of these guys less about where our system is on them. And then we'll we'll talk about some of these injury issues that are kind of cropping up over the course of the week, too, as we roll through game by game. Real quick before we do that, I, I did mention this to you yesterday, but um, just a quick thought if people didn't listen to the Cash Game podcast. Your thoughts on how you know we get a bigger player pool for the main slate this week as all the teams are off buys and we're not into those Saturday games yet. And obviously there's no Thanksgiving stuff. So this is a slightly bigger main slate than what we've seen over the last you know, few months, really. Uh, do you feel like that you're getting, when you look at the player pool of options, does it feel that way? Or do we feel like so many teams just have so few options from a fantasy perspective at this point, or the, the, the plays seem concentrated? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Because there's more, definitely more players in this week, and I'm not sure I totally feel like that's the case. Yeah, I think we're still going to get plenty of concentration. Uh, if basketball is any indication, right? Like we just came off a Wednesday night slate, where there were several players over 70% owned. It wasn't a 13-game slate the way this one is, but there was still some pretty high ownership. I think you know these days the industry is just somewhat consolidated, and that's going to manifest itself once again. Uh, so, okay, we'll talk, and we'll talk about who some of these guys may or may not be. Uh, this is also obviously heading in for a season-long. This is a playoffs for, for a lot of teams, so I think actually some of this does translate pretty well into maybe some decision-making. That if you're if you if you found yourself like you did James in the DFSR uh, listener league, um, I did not in my with my league with Darrell. I didn't. I don't I'm updating that. it right now as you're droning on about the uh, all this opening stuff. <laughs> droning on. I, I, how dare well, I, I didn't mean. I don't mean that in like a bad way. Oh, okay. It's like the good kind of drone, the ones that like the, the army uses. Like so, like the, <laughs> <laughs> those, those are not the good kind of drones. I'm thinking about the ones that like take pictures at weddings. Oh, right. Like uh, the same, same, but different. Okay. The uh, the first game we have is the Redskins go in and play the Packers. Packers big home favorites here minus 13 and rightfully so they uh the Redskins are just pretty bad at this point now minus 13 at home is where we want to see running backs usually and I'm just not sure we seem like we're just in that full we don't don't even seem it we just are in this full full time uh, yeah full time share between Aaron Jones and uh Jamal Lewis last week 39 snaps for Jones got stuffed a bunch of the one yard line uh didn't get into the end zone Jamal uh, Jamal Williams had 10 carries and also had four targets GBP upside for these guys, not, not even because there's not enough, there's not even enough uh, just volume for either one to go around. And I'm wondering your thoughts on Devontae Adams as well. I think you could go GBP upside on Jamal Williams. Um, the touches have actually like sort of been there, right? 19 against San Francisco, 14 against the Giants. Um, if this game does go blowout territory, you know, he could stand to benefit from that. Aaron Jones is just 7,800. I, I don't know that you can. Like where, where does the upside come from right. on that when he's already splitting carries with Williams? I don't think, I don't I don't want to play either, frankly. But I think Williams is the better GPP play there. And then Adams was a cash game play for us last week. The weather was really bad in, in New York. It was snowing the whole game and it was pretty windy. Now he did catch a touchdown and had ten targets. He slotted himself right back into the you know elite target guys in football. Eight thousand on DraftKings. How close to this is it? How close is he to a cash game play for you? We we talked about DJ Moore and Julian Edelman at length yesterday in that seven thousand range. You know Adams is a thousand more than both of them. I don't know where you sort of rank him 
compared to those guys, and especially when you factor in price. Yeah, he got a touchdown, and then he caught another touchdown. So with two touchdowns, uh, five straight weeks of 10 targets, uh, you know, the concern for him kind of going into the last two weeks was would the touchdown volume be there? He hadn't scored a touchdown all season to that point. And the fact that he's punched in three over the last two weeks is certainly a welcome sign. The yards per catch have been down, and that's a, a troubling sign. But if he's going to get double-digit target share and be a significant red zone target as well, I think you can consider it. Uh, I don't know that it's a guy I would want to prioritize. Like, I don't know if that's the payoff I'm looking for, I guess is what I want to say. But on DraftKings, it's this weird spot where you might not want to pay all the way up at quarterback. The running back payoffs really are nothing special. And that sort of leaves us with this sea of wide receivers who came into the seasons with super high expectations and it t- hasn't totally panned out for any of them. And uh, some of the other guys are in tough matchups or have been underperforming recently as well. So, yeah, I think Adams is in that group of guys I would be interested in playing. Yeah, I think I kind of land on that too. Only real Washington note here, I, Darius Geis is coming off a huge week last week where he rushed for 129 yards. I mean, Adrian Peterson. He was on like 10 carries and had two touchdowns. Yeah, well, Peterson wasn't too much where Peterson had 13 carries for 100, but, you know, 99 yards. Uh, they just were able to run the ball a lot. I'm not really interested in either one of these guys as big underdogs. Uh, the snaps really... They, they didn't even play combine the full complement of offensive snaps for the for the Redskins last week. There's just um, they, they played 42 of the 64 total snaps. Um, so it's just there's just not enough to go around. there. I get that you're looking at these big yard weeks for these guys. I, I caution people about falling too in love with just what I would consider to be pretty outlier performances. Indiana, I always want to say Indiana here because it's a basketball thing. Indianapolis goes in and plays Tampa Bay. This game is a really high total, It's but it started higher. It started at 49.5, and, and then it's actually dropped down to 46.5, uh, coming down evenly on both sides. So that was, well, 3.5 well, to 3, but really just uh, the, the opening line was just, just probably wrong here about the total points. We did talk about Jameis as a possible borderline cash game play. The, that number coming down actually is going to lower our projection on him a little bit. And then on the cold side, there's actually some chance that Marlon Mack comes back for this game. Um, and T.Y. Hilton's already been ruled out. And Jack Doyle, we talked about at length. I, I don't know. So we talked about a lot of this game already yesterday on the, on the Cash Game podcast. Additional thoughts here. We can start on the Tampa Bay side. Yeah, so starting on the Tampa Bay side, I think people know the routine by now. The, the passing game is always going to be big tournament quality between Godwin, Evans, and Winston. Uh, understand that at these prices, sometimes you're just going to get ripped apart as well. Uh, you know, Godwin comes off a 34-point week against Atlanta and then dials in a 7-point week yeah. against Jacksonville. I hate to so. say that it's like an every other kind of thing with these guys, but it really feels like, <laughs> like this. Yeah, and I'm sure that's not like how they're working it out. Like the old, like, you know, when LeBron and Dwayne Wade first got on the team right. together and they were like, now you go and now it's my turn. I don't think they're doing that necessarily, but like almost nothing would surprise me because this Tampa Bay team... Like, people forget. People look at this year and they're like, wow, Tampa Bay is crazy, huh? What about last year when they were just rotating, like, at, at halftime between quarterbacks, like a <laughs> high school team? Like, this is this team is nuts. So, anyway, I don't, long story short, I don't want to rely on them uh, for my regular cash games this week. But for big tournaments, I, I think it could be interesting. Uh, I still don't want to touch the running game, though. Uh, Jones was terrible last week. Peyton Barber wound up getting 17 carries. He had two touchdowns, but he had 44 yards on 17 uh, carries. So I'm not gonna not gonna be bothering there either. Uh, we we mentioned Doyle is close to a lock in terms of a cash game play this week. Uh, not, I say close. It's not 100. DraftKings probably ends up being 100. I guess FanDuel is a little closer with the pricing. There's a couple guys in this price range. I guess you can talk yourself into any other interest in 
like any of these other pieces for the Colts. They have, you know, they Doyle got a ton of targets last week, and as we kind of saw that was going to happen. Zach Paschal got 10 targets, went for 107 for 109. I don't know how much, you know, and Marcus Johnson was third on the team with six targets, and then it really drops off a cliff. If, if, um, if Hilton's not going to be back this week, and I, I, like I said, I believe that he's already been ruled out, is like how aggressive do we want to get on guys like Zach Paschal or, you know, other pieces of this game? Or does it, have we just seen too many examples of them just kind of spreading the love outside of the tight end, and then we kind of just need to move on? Yeah, it's funny on Pascal because he does check the boxes of the type of receiver who could step in and be a high single-digit uh, single target guy. Uh, throughout the season, even when Hilton was there, he would flirt with these six, seven-target games. Uh, and then comes out last week in Hilton's first week that he missed, and uh, 10 targets. That's, that's pretty significant. Um, the Colts had this... You know, not a weird schedule per se, but they've been off for a while before last week. Uh, they went from November 21st, had their bye, and then last week, um, then that's when Pascal showed up with the 10 targets. So I don't know if you want to pencil him in for 10, but something like 7 to 9 seems exceedingly reasonable. And Tampa Bay, as we've talked about many times before, they're going to start by trying to take away this Colts running game. So I really love Doyle for cash. And as the week goes on, there's a chance I could be talked into Pascal as well, Like especially if we wind up not being able to play Tyler Boyd. If AJ, AJ Green returns, then I think that uh, that looks more and more attractive. Yeah, uh, this is one we're going to want to – I was wrong. Hilton is still only questionable, but I think it seems yeah, like he's okay. leaning toward doubtful. So that's something that we'll keep in mind leading into Sunday. San Francisco goes in and plays the Saints. This is a marquee matchup. The, the line started at 45-and-a-half. It's down to 44-and-a-half. Uh, this is a pretty low total for the Saints, all things considered, but it makes sense because San Francisco on the season – has still been, you know, despite having coming off the loss to Baltimore or whatever, they've still been about as good a defense as you can find in the NFL. And actually, as the season's gone on, they're, they are creeping up toward that. Uh, the, you know, it's, it's been one and two with New England, but New England's still been pretty far ahead of them in terms of defensive DVOA. But actually, that's getting that margin's getting thinner now as we get later into the year and the Patriots have struggled a little bit. So they're still easily one and two, but San Francisco is more like a 1A now than they were uh, a clear two. I don't know how much that affects you and your decision-making around the Saints here in terms of guys like Kamara and guys like Michael Thomas. Those are really the, the two names we want to probably start and finish with on the Saints. Is the defensive matchup just too much for you at this point considering their price points, or do you find there could be some upside here? Yeah, I mean, if I'm picking between all the players in the NFL basically the way I am this week uh, with 26 of the 32 teams playing on this slate, I don't know that I'm going to want to land on – players going up against the second best defense in the league right now uh you know there is a reduced price point the sites have actually done a nice job of making this somewhat interesting i think if i had to pick someone on the saints to play it would probably be kamara uh, the price is down the target share remains the same but if you take like say i don't know what do you think about taking the tampa bay game as a reasonable proxy for what we could expect from him here something like 10 targets 13 carries 10 carries something like that um like, Because if you think he's going to get that level of target share, even against a tough rushing defense in San Francisco, you could see a pretty good performance here. Yeah, that's the that's the old, that's the biggest problem with him, right? Because at 70s a hundred, you really kind of have yeah. to you have to start considering it even with the even with the reduced carries, um, just because of sort of the way that they've rolled things, because he's just so featured in the passing game. This is sort of a challenge play on price, I think, um, and I think this is one where I I can see people really talking themselves into it and I they I you really can't fault someone for doing it. The Kamara is still an elite running back, even if the production hasn't always been elite, but he also just gets it in such a way that's so different than so many running backs that I sometimes 
personally have a hard time evaluating what that means, if that makes sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. if because it's not it's not Leonard Fournette where you can say, okay, 22 carries, four targets, or I'm, I'm making this up on the top of my head. It's probably a little bit less of one or more than the other. But you know what I mean. Like, this is more generally what we see from a running back. Kamara's just hasn't been like that. And I'm probably always a little low on the targets and a little high on the carries. Does that make sense? I, that, that's kind of where I land with Kamara, just because it's almost like this dissonance thing. I can't. I can't look at him in that running back slot and give him the production that probably is correct, and even though it's been many examples of it so far. Yeah, I, I think you're we're on the same page. Like the opportunity should be there, and it's a really really tough defense. So like it, it just with a gun to your head between him and Fournette, they're the same price. I, you gotta go Fournette, I think. Uh, the, yeah, you have to go Fournette. Just because so if you go down vo- a little bit, what about him and Le'Veon Bell? And you're just, you're just definitely gonna be there, right? Like it's just that, that I think that's. And could Kamara 2x Fournette? Yes, <laughs> because there's just because he's just a better running back. Does that make sense? All right, set aside Fournette because I think most people are going to play him. What about between Kamara and Le'Veon Bell? Because Le'Veon Bell, we talked about for cash. Uh, yeah, this is he's got hard. the opposite problem where the volume hasn't been there, but he's got the perfect matchup at home against Miami. Oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say Bell. I I think it's Bell, and I just it pains me because it's this is close. this is one of these edge decisions that really could on Sunday afternoon you're looking at it and be like. Why do we play Bell over Kamara? Like you can easily t- say that to yourself. Um, come sometime on Sunday, where you look right. at. And I'm not even talking about ownership piece. I'm just thinking, with these guys with the same price, and we willingly went Levy and Bell over Alvin Kamara, and I get all the other inputs. Um, this one I think we'll look at a little closer as we get into Sunday and just kind of make a decision to say because there is a math problem that says the defense is this good and Kamara's production is this and his his opportunity is this, and at some point it just there's no wash for it to come out and it just says these are the numbers and I think at that point it's that that's at that point it's good to have a system that you trust like ours because at that point I probably right. will just ultimately say this is what the system says these opportunity things are correct and I think we need to roll with it San Francisco spent a week making it look like they were going to give one running back all the touches Raheem, uh, um, Raheem Mostert got 19 carries for 146 and a touch just destroyed Tevin Coleman there's no injury on Tevin Coleman he just out snapped him 42 to 10 so you're like, oh, man, they're going to start doing this thing. And then Matt Breed is supposed to come back this week. So I think that kind of puts an end. They just never can. There's never going to be a situation in San Francisco where you can look at this running game and say, this no. is the guy. I totally trust it. Kind of feel that way about the passing game, too. I don't really know. Uh, give, me, give me your quick thoughts here on Kittle and Sanders and guys like this in a matchup where, I mean, th- there's not a ton of points on the board here in this game. This is a pretty low total. This struck me as a low total. Quick thoughts here on San Francisco, and then we'll move on. Sanders an interesting big tournament target. New Orleans has a really good defense, by the way. This is not the pushover matchup you may have perceived it to be in the past. Uh, Kittle with the knee thing, I just can't imagine trusting it. Last week, four targets, two catches for 17 yards. I don't think there's anyone on the San Francisco side that makes the cash game cut for us. Carolina goes in and plays the Falcons in the Dome. There, Carolina's coming off the firing of their coach, Ron Rivera. Uh, it's always a little weird midseason to figure out what a new coach is going to do and what the game plan is going to be. We talked about DJ Moore at length yesterday on the podcast. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is probably just too expensive to have the question marks around what the offense is going to do. DJ Moore is not expensive enough to make that question to have that question mark to me, but McCaffrey probably is. Greg Olson took a huge hit last week. Was knocked out cold on the field. I do, he's not cleared the concussion protocol yet. Probably, if you without Olsen, how I don't know how aggressive we want to get on the tight ends here, or like a guy like Curtis Samuel, or just give McCaffrey more targets. I'm wondering your thoughts. Olsen's not a huge target guy, but he's some targets, and this is a matchup against Atlanta that I still think we want to probably have some exposure to. Uh, thoughts here on the Panthers with the new coach and some of the injury stuff. 
Yeah, it might finally recur to Samuel Week for us. Uh, other people have tried him in the past. He's a sub-6,000 guy. I think taking Olsen's targets off the table and redistributing them does matter. Um, and I think importantly, they haven't really had anyone else kind of lurking in that tight end spot. You know, there's a lot of guys who are, whose names are listed on FanDuel under the tight ends. Uh, the only one that did anything significant at all was Ian Thomas. He had four catches last week. So, you know, maybe people will consider him. He's 4,000. I don't think that, I've ever. That's what I mean. Like, he's like he was a guy I wanted to bring up. It's just a possible, yeah. you know, let's just try to leave, you know, Jesper, Jesper Hoster kind of just try to get lucky with something here. Uh, I would think about it, honestly. 4,000 is a price you just don't see. So, I, like, 2,300 less than Doyle. I, I'm listening. I, I don't know if I would want to just plug and play there, but we know that Carolina does want to prioritize the tight end. And, and listen, this is a good matchup. Um, yeah, so I, I could see it. I, one thing I want to say, too, you know, we talked about earlier those Redskins running backs and the huge week they had last week. That was against Carolina. Carolina, the worst rushing de- defense in the league for DVOA. So I'm, you know, I was kind of dipping my toe in and out on Freeman on the Cash Game podcast. I've been uh, been getting more excited about that play as the week has gone on. I think he's just... A flat-out strong play here. By the way, it's Ian Thomas only needs seven projected points on FanDuel for us to be in the top lineup. That's nothing. Uh, well, this is the thing about tight ends, too, is that they're just trash. Like, right. you know, aside from Doyle, who's a thousand more expensive than he was last year, um, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't take much to be a quality DFS tight end right now. And heaven forbid he catch a touchdown or something. Like, this could really get out of hand fast. So, yeah, it might be Ian Thomas time. First time for everything. I wish it was more. I wish it was just a slightly better running back pool to pay up for. I think that's the only issue. So we'll talk. That's we'll go. talk about the Ian Thomas thing. When I say we're going to talk about it on Sunday, by the way, I'm speaking about our members only chat. Uh, that's mm. part of our subscription package, which you can sign up at dfsr.com/deals. So when I'm saying Sunday, James and I, our conversations that we're having leading into lineup lock are. Um, are part of uh, are part of that subscription package, so just go go and check that out. Uh, okay, so let's just talk real quick about the Atlanta side. You mentioned Devonte Freeman as being a, a nice play here. There, and I I think I agree with you. In, in I, I agree with you mostly, and then I'm just still always a little bit worried about these Atlanta running back situations. And then we have uh, Julio Jones getting healthier here. Looks like he's going to play. Looks like Hooper's going to play. When all these guys are healthy, I'm, I'm not really seeing it from me, definitely not from a cash game perspective. Give me your thoughts on what happens when we get these guys back into the mix for the target share. Yeah, when they get back in the mix for the I mean, we were already pretty low on these Falcons guys, given that both Ridley and Jones are questionable and Hooper might come back. It's starting to get pretty tough. I will say that Ridley has been every worth every penny in the last right. several weeks. Um, you know, getting tons of targets, getting red zone targets. Uh, converting them into nice yardage per catch as well. Like, you really can't fast for more from Ridley. Uh, he is at an all-time high price for this season. But, you know, should sh- things shake out where he's going to be kind of the obvious guy, I think I I wouldn't mind rolling Ridley out there again. Um, but right now, yeah, it looks like there's going to be a lot of cooks in that kitchen. All right, let's talk real quick about a sponsor, Vivid Seats app. If you're buying and selling tickets, really, but I'm talking more about the buying side here. Because if you're going to a game, a concert, a theater, whatever it is, Got to get lo- yeah, screw this up already. Got to log into the Vivid Seats app. Uh, <laughs> use the promo code Overtime O V E R T I M E. That's going to get you signed up for the rewards program. It's also going to give you up to hundred dollars back on your first ticket purchases. You got to use the promo code to lock that in. Love the Vivid Seats app. Uh, been looking and I'm about to buy these Nets tickets. I've been talking about this for a little while, but finally trying to just you know, center in on the game. But we've been using the Vivid Seats app to just make sure we're getting the best price getting the best seats, the best view. It's all there in the app. So use the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code OVERTIME, 
and you're good to go. Lions going to face the Vikings. Vikings huge favorites here, 13-point home favorites, and Dalvin Cook is dealing with pain management or something like that. That's, that's kind of where it's going to mm-hmm. land here on his, <laughs> on his injury. He did leave the game uh, last week with a chest injury, and it's not one of these things that requires surgery or anything like that. It's just going to be like, how much can he deal with the pain? It's such a bummer because I think we'd be almost anything outside of this news, we'd be locking Dalvin Cook, or if he just sat, we'd just like lock in Madison. This feels like the worst of both worlds for, for the Vikings here. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think you want to play Cook if there's all these questionable tags swirling around him. Um, he's great when he's there. It's a game where they're heavily favored. Minnesota could use this win. And it's hard to imagine that, like it, what we saw last week, it does. It just doesn't look great for Cook right now. I, I don't know how else to say it. And the worst thing you can run into in DFS, and this happens in football more so than any other sport is, they try a guy for a couple of series, and then he just gets pulled yeah. for the rest of the game. Uh, that's where I could see this heading with Cook, and that's a huge risk to take uh, for your highest paid player on your team, right? So I think unless I really need it, which I don't think I will given the other running back options, I, I have a hard time imagining wanting to play him in cash. Yeah, that's and I think that's it. Like I said, it's worst of all worlds uh, with, the, with the, just the exact kind of news. Again, we'll get a little bit more as we go through the week, and there's some chance he doesn't play. And if that's the case, then we're going to instantly pivot to Madison, and I think that he'll be the overwhelming chalk. And I just don't think that's where we're going to go. Adam Thielen remains sidelined here. He's been out for a few weeks. It hasn't really opened up the targets on the Minnesota side like I thought it was going to. Um, you know, kind of you want to dream on guys like Stephon Diggs when um, he's not around. And he did get nine targets last week, but only four for 25. Kyle Rudolph had six targets. I know that, again, they didn't throw the ball a ton. Um, but thoughts here on the passing game without uh, without feeling. It doesn't look, I guess they threw the 38 times. That is a decent amount. They're just spread out a lot. Um, thoughts here on this passing game. Big favorites. Minnesota is a very difficult team to get a read on. Yeah, that's really where it comes down to for me. Uh, we've seen some massive weeks out of Diggs, especially in situations where Thielen was banged up. I mean, he had a 40 fantasy point week this season, which is not something very many players can say. He had that three-week stretch where he averaged 150 yards uh, receiving. So we know this is an absolute big play monster here. The question is surrounding the game script. Uh, if Minnesota is going to be double-digit favorites over the Lions and their slew of backups at every position, is Diggs really going to be a huge part of the plan? That's the part that I can't totally wrap my mind around. So I think Diggs right now for me looks like a big tournament play. Yeah, I think so too. And I again, I you know, in other weeks, if you said you were going to get him at these prices without Adam Thielen, I think you would have th- thought, oh, we're going to kind of just like lock this in to cash game stuff. But uh, you know, eight thousand, it's not totally cheap, and it just hasn't exactly. he just hasn't turned into a huge target share guy. And so, or there's been enough there's been enough times where it hasn't worked. So I think that's kind of where. Yeah, perfect big tournament play, especially if they can't get the run game going. Uh, but I, it, for cash, I think you'll see some people kind of talk themselves into it. Uh, I don't think I, I personally don't think I want to go there. And I guess maybe this is a one that's a slightly different, a slightly closer decision. He is going to get Darius Slay too. I, maybe that's maybe these are kind of the things that like just say, okay, well, in the in the end, if he's just going to get Darius, then I don't think that we need to we don't need to push the envelope here. Denver goes in and plays Houston, another one of these big favorites, nine and a half point home favorites for Houston, coming off the win over the Patriots. Uh, again, this is where we usually want to be with running backs, and they just don't have. I mean, they have Carlos. Hyde. You have to feel the running back first for me to be interested in playing your team's <laughs> running back. That's what I mean. Carlos Hyde coming off ten carries, seventeen yards. Duke Johnson out snaps him. Um, like, I, I hate to sound frustrated, but it's mostly because. These are, the, these are the lines and the sort of situations that I want to get excited for a certain thing to happen. And it's just you know, just another example of where you just really can't do it with the way the team's constructed. 
It's the modern NFL. Most of the smart, good teams are doing things like this where they don't hammer home one running back for 30 carries a game. And kudos to the Texans. It's probably the right move. Hyde and Johnson bring really different skill sets as well. And it just makes them irrelevant for our purposes. So. Yeah. So uh, what about DeAndre Hopkins, De- Deshaun Watson? Watson's a guy that we've wanted to roll out in cash and have rolled out in cash at times. So it's a you know, kind of mixed results. Hopkins continues to get you know, a lion's share of the targets, and that's just going to be the case. Big spread here. I don't know if we're worried about blowout or if we just say to ourselves, okay, well, this is if the points are going to come, it's going to come through a lot through this duo, or that's just not how we're viewing this game. What are your thoughts here on the passing game? I don't think I want to play Watson. I think I just, I know um, Jackson is much more expensive, but I think if I were paying, if I'm not going to go like really cheap at quarterback, I think I'm just going to play Lamar Jackson, who just really shows up and does it every single week. Um, you know, Watson, he was good against the Pats, but we've seen some weeks, even in solid matchups, like against Indy, where he scored less than 20 fantasy points. Uh, I mean, against Baltimore, not a solid matchup, but five fantasy points. Like, it can certainly come and go on him a little bit. And then you have Hopkins. I think actually between Hopkins and Devontae Adams, I think that's a pretty interesting conversation to be had. Uh, Hopkins was still right there in the mix where like Will Fuller disappeared completely against the Pats. Uh, Hopkins still had eight targets, caught five balls. So I think he's an interesting big payoff option at wide receiver. If that third slot, like right now, I think we're pretty well locked into two of our three wide receiver slots. Um, in DJ Moore and remind me, this is oh Julian Edelman right maybe or Edelman yeah, yeah. Um, but then for that third slot, I could see Hopkins creeping up there, especially if we can take a four thousand dollar tight end. Um, but yeah, right now he's he's slightly on the outside looking in. People wanted to play Philip Lindsay last week, and it looked okay from a carries perspective, but it's just another week of Royce Freeman out snaps him. So Lindsay gets seventeen carries and three targets, which is great. Twenty touches on his twenty-five snaps. So he was on the field, and he was getting he was might as well sign that said I'm getting the ball when I'm on the field. And but then but then again, only played less played than fewer than half the snaps. So uh, Royce Freeman played thirty-two, carried the ball five times. He had four targets. Uh, this team is just bad. I don't know what you can trust with them at this point. It's too much of a bridge too far. You're probably going to see people actually play the Texans defense, although they are a little expensive because the sites have done a better job of pricing defenses in, in quality matchups here. So I just don't really know. I left Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant these guys. I, it's all, they're all sort of interesting, and uh, you got you need a lot to go right with the way this team just kind of ends up rolling things out. Baltimore goes in and plays Buffalo. Another sort of marquee matchup in a way that I don't think at the beginning of the season people saw this on the calendar and wouldn't have thought this way, but both these teams are exceeding expectations, at least in terms of the record. And probably the fantasy, I mean, definitely the fantasy performances too, because Josh Allen's been a really pretty damn good fantasy quarterback in his own right. Not Lamar Jackson, but um, just gets a lot done on the ground as well. We talked a lot about Lamar as probably just being a cash game lock for us this week. I don't think with the other savings we're getting, you know, the $4,000 tight end is, go, is for me, first going to go to Lamar Jackson, right? Like that's the first, yep. those are the first piece of the savings, and then we'll figure out where the rest of it is. But then outside of him on the Baltimore team, he just does so much, especially on the ground, that it's just another week of saying to ourselves, I don't know what we're getting away with with the rest of the guys in the Ravens. Nothing. Yeah, they're, the rest of them are totally unreliable from a DFS perspective. And it's, you know, it's evidenced by their prices, too. Uh, Hollywood Brown looked like he could be something earlier this season. He had two targets against San Francisco. Uh, you're not going to play him. Uh, Andrews has been kind of flirting around that tight end discussion. But he's expensive. He's priced like these top-tier tight ends. And 
in the last three weeks combined, he has 13 targets, where Doyle had 11 last week. So you're not going to play him in cash either. John Brown has been a big target guy in the past. Well, it didn't really work out that way last week. They looked at Beasley more of seven targets. I still don't mind going back to Brown here. It's not a great matchup, of course, and there's always weather stuff. Not always, but often weather stuff in these home games in Buffalo this time of year. So something to keep, especially specifically with the wind. Um, there's That's just obviously such a huge, windy city uh, that in the late fall, early winter. So um, kind of want to keep an eye on that going into the game. And uh, that will probably just kind of dictate where some of our projections go if we want to like focus a little bit more on the run game because they are they oh, man it's crazy I, I I love that Frank Gore had a had a nice long career and he and the you know Singletary outsnapped him fifty two to fifteen last week fourteen carries he also had four targets and I just can't trust. I've been bullish on Singletary in the past, and it really hasn't been correct. And it's mostly just I can't really trust what they're ultimately going to do with the run game. Is that a fair way to like kind of sum up the Bills here? I think so. And one thing is I haven't caught a lot of Bills games just on TV this year. But hearing the announcers on Thanksgiving and their breathless praise of Frank Gore and his like astounding career. And I get it, man. Like this guy, like you spend this much time in the NFL and you've done something right. There's no question about it. But just like the part where he's he was like a really good, exciting running back for like a season 13 years ago. Right. <laughs> and since then, he's been just like kind of churning it out, 4.2 yards a carry, 4.3 yards, bouncing around from team to team. It's bad this year. I just, I don't know. I think it's funny. I, I, it reminded me of how much I like, uh, I do like a world where people can be nice about someone like Frank Gore, but just kind of like, I don't know, there's just a better running back on his own team, so maybe they should give that guy the yeah, ball. Maybe that stuff. guy can just touch the ball. <laughs> maybe he can just be the guy that gets like 75 to 90% of the snaps, and we can just move on. It reminded me of the old Jer- Jerome Bettis days, actually. Like, a, you know, as a Steelers fan, you know, really heavily in that era as well. Bettis was great at the beginning of his career, and then he was just on crutches for the last, like, four seasons. Right. And they had Willie Parker there, and it's like, yeah... This guy seems just a lot better. I don't know if we could just give him the ball and stop praising this other guy, but okay. Bill, uh, sorry, Dolphins go in and play the Jets. Uh, this game started minus six for the Jets, down to minus five. Uh, it's, look yourself in the mirror time, I think, for the Jets. Of course, it's been like that season. It's been that a whole season for the Adam Gates and this crew. We have talked about Levy and Bell as a possible cash game play. I think we are going to be close to talking ourselves into that going into this week just because of the matchup and if we're going to trust the opportunity on him. And it's a it's a home, nice Vegas favorite, and that is kind of where we want to be. The line has actually gone up from 43.5 to 45, so there are more points going up pretty evenly across the board. And a few more on the Miami side. What are your thoughts on Patrick Laird on DraftKings? He, if he's just the last man, they have Miles Gaskin too, but it looks like... You know, Laird got double-digit carries last week, was absolutely terrible, has gotten targets here, and is coming very cheap. And if you thought, is there a world at 4,100 on DraftKings that we could consider playing him a cash? I think people are going to talk themselves into Patrick Laird. If he's just like announced as the, as the starting running back, even though this, the, the matchup is bad, specifically on DraftKings, what are your thoughts here on a guy that's gotten Twitter buzz sort of as a joke, but now it kind of feels like he might just be the guy there? Well, I was going to make a joke about the Twitter buzz because Patrick Laird is a third on Fanshare right now. FanshareSports.com. Use promo code DFSR to get twenty percent off your subscription. He's third in buzz over there. People are people are talking themselves into both Patrick Laird and Fitzmagic. Doug Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, they're looking at this the same way we have in past weeks. Uh, and I was going to ask you about Fitzpatrick anyway, but um, Fitzpatrick last two weeks averaging twenty six fantasy points. For the Dolphins, pretty good. Uh, and those were in certainly worse matchups. Well, 
Philly was a worse matchup. Cleveland probably a better matchup. But, you know, still just kind of doing it regardless of who's out there against him. He's running a little bit. He had 45 yards on the ground against Cleveland. What do you think about Fitzmagic for cash right now? Ah, man. I mean, it's for cash. No, definitely not. Uh, there's no. I for some reason didn't hear you say cash at the end. The, the clear hundred percent no for me on Fitz, Fitzpatrick <laughs> on, and cash. On, on GBP though, sure. Like, what about on DraftKings? He's he's still pretty cheap. Nah, him. you got to just prioritize these other. You got to just go. You got to pay up. For, Six thousand. No, I can't do it. I you're. I can't even believe I'm stumbling about this because it's more. I think I'm more stumbling because mm. I didn't even think about it, and now I'm just trying to like lay out the. It's the same price as like Devlin Hodge. <laughs> I'm just trying to lay out the clear case of why I don't want to do it. Uh, I, the, the running yards are interesting, I get, at least with the 45 and 23, and I just don't see it. This is not a great matchup here against the Jets, all things considered. They are top two. Well, they're better, much better against the run, I guess, this season. I don't know. Nah, I got to think about this one. You kind of threw me. I was not prepared to think about Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick and Cash. I was more kind of like setting my sights on Laird and then going to talk about Devontae Parker here. But um, I guess I guess if I had to talk about Parker, then I'm probably doing I'm doing the same sort of dance around you know the the matchup and whatnot. So I don't know if I'm stumbling, it's because I didn't expect to think about this guy. Uh, Devontae Parker was a guy we played in cash last week, had a huge week. He's not a guy showing up in lineups for us right now. Do you think it's just because the price comes up a little bit and? I think we have him for correct opportunity, but at 7,200, I'm not, I'd much rather play DJ more than Devontae Parker. Is that a fair assessment, or do you think people will talk themselves into the Parker side of that sort of coin? People will talk themselves into Parker, I'd imagine, but I don't know that it's correct. I think I'd rather have DJ Moore uh, just on the basis of a slightly longer track record doing it. But, you know, with Fitzpatrick there, Parker's been just damn solid, right? I mean, four straight weeks of 10 targets, uh, probably averaging uh, mental math, slightly over 100 yards a week. In the last four weeks, I uh, had the two touchdowns last week against Philly. I think Parker's a solid play. I think I'd probably lean more, but I wouldn't mind playing both. Sam Darnold's gone 3x uh, plus, 3x or to 4x uh, in th- three of his last four weeks on these on these FanDuel prices. He got was, he was terrible against Cincinnati, and I think people did want to play him in that matchup. This is also just a great matchup here against Miami. They are about as bad a defense through the air as you can ever get. We've had decent success just stacking quarterbacks against them in the last couple weeks. Wentz. Uh, and even though they lost, and then Mayfield the week before, do you see Darnold in that same group? Uh, kind of. I don't think I want to play him for cash. I think I'd rather play Fitzpatrick, frankly, going the other way. But uh, they're, they're in the same boat for me. I think it's a guy that could have big upside here, great matchup. I think we're starting to see that there are some cheaper plays coming in at other positions, and that leads me. I think Lamar Jackson is just the best um, payoff option this week at any of the high-priced guys at any position, really. We talked about some of the wide receivers, Hopkins, Adams, having their own question marks. We talked about Dalvin Cook. We talked about McCaffrey yesterday being very expensive. So I think that I'm just going to want to play Jackson, but Darnold's in that next group of guys that whose name I wouldn't cross off immediately. Bengals go in and face the Browns. Browns are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I'm saying this with this little sort of breathless view again about these the home favorites. I very weird the Browns are this big of favorites. They've been such a weird team this year, but whatever. The Bengals are bad in their own right. Again, where we sort of want the – this is the world where we want to be with running backs, and I don't know if it's the Chubb, the Kareem Hunt thing. Do you think that people will talk themselves in the Chubb? The carries have still mostly been there, Hunt, and they have shared the field together, so it's not like a one-to-one, you're on, I'm off kind of thing. But I just don't know where we land with Nick Chubb in terms of the volume running backs anymore. Yeah, I think Chubb is – a reasonable option this week. Uh, the carries weren't there against Pittsburgh, but they really were uh, the prior week against Miami and the week before that against Pittsburgh. So I think last week the game script just sort of got away from him a little bit. 
uh, the Browns are still playing for things. You know, they're not absolutely ruled out here. So I think they'll probably try to go with what works, right? And <laughs> just try to hand the ball off to Chubb uh, the way they were earlier this season. So I think it could be a bounce back week for Chubb. I think he's a guy who I wouldn't mind playing. I think, you know, he's. I'm not going to play him over Fournette, who's cheaper. Uh, but how about this test? What about Chubb or Alvin Kamara? You know, similar price range, Chubb a little bit more expensive, much better matchup, kind of worse opportunity recently. What do you think between those I two guys? I think I'd probably go Chubb and I'm... I think I so just, It's just mostly because I'm so, so confused about Kamara. But another guy that I'm actually wanting to get your opinion on, huge target share over the last couple of weeks, Jarvis Landry oh, gonna say, has yeah. 11, 13, over his last four weeks, has 11, 13, 7, 10, 13 targets. Um, yeah, and a lot. Ben, a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. catching touchdowns. The yards have not really been there considering the targets. That's really never been his game. He's just it's such a possession thing. But he's just clearly at this point the possession receiver that he sort of has been for his career. 6,500 on DraftKings for this target share. And that's cheaper, 500 cheaper than DJ Moore, 600 cheaper than Julian Edelman. Around the same opportunity from a target's perspective, where do you put Jarvis Landry here? Because he's a guy, if you start thinking that 11 targets is the real number, and that's probably pushing the higher end limit of like the mean projection. But if you start thinking that, then all of a sudden, you know, 19 points, 19 point projection or something like that on 6,500 looks very much like cash game sort of material. Yeah, I think Landry is definitely in that mix. I think it's also funny. Like I'm picturing all these people who drafted Odell Beckham Jr. in their season-long leagues, yeah. and now they have to look at him being cheaper than Jarvis Landry. Yeah. On rightfully so, by the way, he should be. I, all right, absolutely, rightfully so. But like that is not a world we probably could have imagined at the beginning of the season, barring some catastrophic injury uh, that would have changed Beckham's skill set. But um, yeah, just a fascinating thing. Uh, both Landry and Beckham are also. Um, hit with a questionable tag right now, but we believe that that right now is just because uh, this is just something the Browns have been doing all season, kind of limiting their reps in practice during the week and then suiting them up, both of them up on Sunday. So I don't think you should worry about playing time for either of them. Yeah, Landry, I think I want to go actually back and look at the targets we have for him because I I certainly wouldn't mind uh, seeing him in We have a 10.5 right now and I could stand to be, it could stand to be, if it went up to 11, then we'd be really in the... That'd be at the draft at the DraftKings price would be, and I think people will, will do it. By the way, sixty five hundred, especially if you're looking to save five hundred, I can see people, a world where people say I'd rather play Landry than DJ Moore. I think that's I mean, I, yeah, it's not, and I don't think that's necessarily terrible. I, yeah, that's what I mean. I don't think it's yeah, right. I don't think you're making a terrible cascade. And basically, considering too that it's like a ten percent savings too. I think that's the piece. Yeah. I, if it was one to one, I think it'd be easily be more. Uh, the fact that it's five hundred cheaper or something like that, then I know it's not exactly ten percent, but that's uh, where it becomes a little bit interesting. We do have four four o'clock games. First one is a four o five start for Chargers and Jacksonville. We talked about Leonard Fournette at length yesterday. We even talked about Gardner Minshew and uh, that the fact that he's coming in to start. So I think we've covered our Jacksonville bases pretty much. Give me your thoughts here on the Chargers. Yeah, well, uh, one quick note on the Jacksonville receiving core two all three of those guys are questionable uh dd westbrook he's questionable for personal reasons uh that they didn't sort of elaborate on but something to keep an eye on um if one of those three guys conley shark or westbrook were to miss that does open up some target share for the other guys uh on the on the charger side i can't say i'm super psyched about any of these guys i mean we saw gordon he's getting the carries these days Hasn't exactly been turning it into gangbusters DFS performances. Uh, solid ones, good ones against Green, Green Bay and Oakland. Uh, not so much against uh, Kansas City, but uh, back to the target share last week that he was seeing. So I think he's an interesting guy, you know, a guy that we could possibly be a little bit low on. I don't think you'll probably see a ton of cash game ownership there, 
But as far as Chargers goes, I, th- I think he's pretty much the only guy I want to look too hard at. You know, Keenan Allen, we've loved him in the past. The targets have really come and gone on him. I think he's more of a big tournament guy at this point where he could see 12 targets, but he could also see six. So I don't know that I want to go there for cash. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I um, this is an I, It feels like just like the wrong matchup. I feel like maybe one more week. I, I haven't looked at the road here with the Chargers matchups. I feel like there's a chance with like a mini down week for some of these guys again. If they were to walk into a good matchup, I think there would be these would be guys we sure. can consider. It's just this is probably just too slow of a pace. Forty three over under is probably not where I want to be for a ton of upside. Going on the road too is not really all that helpful for them going across the country. Steelers go in and play the Cardinals. Steelers are definitely a surprise team here from DFS. I don't know you can't do anything with these guys. I like Juju's questionable again. James Connors I think questionable right now. It's Benny Snell gets a lot of carries and then you just don't can't really figure out what's going on there. The quarterback is like a was a professional duck caller. That was like the the announcers were just going absolutely crazy about this last week. They just like no one's ever heard of him. He was a professional duck caller and now he's the quarterback. It's a fun story. I don't really know from a fantasy perspective a single thing we can do with any of these guys. <laughs> these guys um and yet they're still favored going on the road against Arizona. Let's go. That's my Steel City, buddy. This is what you call a complete team. And middle fingers to all the haters who didn't like the Mika Fitzpatrick trade, Doug, like you. You got to believe, buddy. Mike Tomlin, coach of the year. Yeah, there's no DFS relevant plays in this game. Uh, I think the Steelers, you already encapsulated it pretty well. The opportunity is just not consistent enough. The quarterback play is nowhere near good enough to support anyone out of the passing game. And that just means defenses can focus on the run. And uh, Snell, whoever else has been there, uh, it's been sort of a tough road as well. And the Arizona side, they just get one of the best defenses in the league. And they haven't been particularly effective as it is. So I don't know what you're what you're really doing by running them out there. Uh, Murray's been obviously very explosive, exciting a, a handful of times this season, maybe in half of his games. But he's had some true train wrecks on the resume as well. So I don't know that you want to throw him into the gears of the Steelers defense. Yeah, Kenyon Drake is the, is their full-time basically running back now. He's 6,100 on FanDuel. I think the the, the, the matchup's just not good enough here, right? Like yeah, that's like, exactly. The 6,100 is pretty enticing for a guy that's going to touch the ball maybe 15 to 20 times in a game, and they sort of have signaled that that is where they kind of want to be with him. 13 carries, 5 targets last week. So it's close on him, and it just it helps from our decision-making process. I think that Pittsburgh is just a very good defense, right? If this was a middle-of-the-road or worse defense, I think we would be having a, a stronger take here on Kenyon Drake, and I just because David Johnson's done, um, and Chase Edmonds was active last week but didn't play. So I think Kenyon Drake is just like their feature back, and like I said, Pittsburgh is just uh, it's just not the they're not a, they're not a Patriots and and uh, 49ers defense, but they're not too far behind. Tennessee goes in and plays. Oakland, Tennessee, a surprise team this year. This game has a really high total, 47 right now, 25 to 22 implied uh, implied totals for each of these teams. I think people are going to talk themselves into Derrick Henry and Cash. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. I don't think we're we're not going to get there because it's just all carries and nothing and you know, two and a half targets a game or something like that. And you're just ha- you need so much to go right with, with that. And do you think we could be looking on the wrong side or just the opposite side of Derrick Henry chalk this week? Maybe. doesn't worry me at all. Uh, I think he could be Chuck, and he could have a good game. And when you only carry the ball, sometimes you just don't get 50-yard runs. And I'm, I, if I sound depressed, it's because if there has been this cluster of great games for Henry in a row, and I've been saying this about Henry pretty much all season, and we've been right plenty of times on it. But at 9,100, man, I'm, I'm just not going to pay the all-time high price for this guy. I don't think the – like the way your price goes up – in my mind, is when opportunity goes up. And he had a great opportunity week last week. 
but the under, I just can't believe that as the season has gone along, that he's figured out how to run for more yards per carry. That just isn't really how it works in the NFL. So I don't trust it totally. They're getting better quarterback play. That really helps. Maybe that opens up the run game. I don't think he's a bad play by any means, but not one that would scare me if we're not on. Yeah, and you can't really do anything with the passing game here. They don't throw enough. It's just all, it's Henry or bust. And so, you know, Fitzpatrick, excuse me, not Fitzpatrick, Tannehill. Tannehill threw for 22 yards last, or 22 attempts last week. Did end up for two touchdowns. So you can't trust anything in the receiving game. They're just, none, none of these guys get targeted enough. And that's just not what they want to do. They want to run. And they're yep. gonna, they want to give the ball to Derrick Henry 25 times a game. Whether they're able to or not, that's that's the ultimate question, right? That's the thing that it ultimately boils down to, whether Henry was a value play or not. It's not that, you know, it's not like Christian McCaffrey where it's like, well, the guy's just going to get 22 touches so like or, you know, 25 touches a game minimum, it, no matter what happens. It's like they need a lot to go right for Henry to touch the ball 25 times. You need that to happen for him to even think about being a value, and it's just far from certain. Oakland, I guess Darren Waller is still getting targeted. Derek Carr doesn't want to throw the ball very far. I, he's an interesting tight end play. I don't think it's where I want to land for cash just because of some of these other options, like specifically Doyle in the same price range. Uh, and I just don't – Josh Jacobs, people want to play. I don't think this is the situation to do it. Let's finish this thing off. Casey goes in and plays New England. This is obviously the marquee matchup of the week, 48.5 total. So actually, that's a little bit lower than I thought it was going to be low, also. Yeah. But um, it's probably boring a little bit out of more out of the Patriots defense plus the lack of Patriots offense. It's, I think it's mm-hmm. more to do with them than it has to do with KC here. They're three point, they being the Patriots, are three-point home favorites. What are your thoughts on stacking Julian Edelman and James White in cash on DraftKings? Like, these guys got all mm-hmm. the targets, and White got all the carries, too. Like, Sony Michelle was nowhere to be seen last week against, uh, against Houston. Now, I get that that was a little bit of a different game script. But in the end, James White, 68 snaps. Sonny Michelle, 15. James White was damn good, 14 for 79. Also had 11 targets for 98 yards. This yeah. is an outlier volume game for him this year, but we've seen games like this in the past. Where do you stand on just saying, look, for cash on DraftKings, specifically because of the PPR, I don't mind just being on the Julian Edelman, James White train and then hoping that that's kind of like where the, the, the lion's share of the production for the Patriots comes here on offense. Yeah, you can consider White on FanDuel, too. It's just 6,000. I mean, basically, those are Alvin Kamara's touches that he just got last week right. and Al- what Alvin Kamara does when he gets those touches, too. Like, that's just an Alvin, a good Alvin Kamara game is what he had against Houston. And that can come back a little bit. You know, that could be 10 carries and 7 targets and still be plenty of production on this cheap price tag. I think he's a very reasonable oh, cash I, option I just looked here. at our projection for him on this carry. Like We're, like, so far low on that number. And... He was close, yeah. so we only because the carries though thing. I, so I'm less worried about the targets than I am the carries, honestly. Um, it's because he's not. They haven't wanted to use him as a volume running back. That's just been Sony Michelle in the past, and so, and so I just don't know where to take this one. Week. Well, this is what I was going to say about White too, is that you get it the you get it last week, but we've seen this before where the Patriots look, they see something, yeah, they attack it, and then they just do something different the next game. So that's my I don't concern. know. That's given a- that there's no one hurt, um, I don't know that you can just be like. Sure, this is the time. Like now, they finally are handing the reins over to James White. Like I went back to last season real quick. Um, he had a two-game stretch uh, against Buffalo and Green Bay, where he had 20 carries and 16 targets over two games. Oh, I'm sorry, I messed this up. 20 carries and 20 targets over two games. Following week against Tennessee, one carry, eight targets, no worries. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, that is right. Just right back to normal. It's just so. too much of a. There's too much of a film thing going on behind the scenes about like what it is that they're trying to exploit, and we've just seen this year over year over year with the Patriots. And you just. I want to give you one more from yeah. the playoffs last year. Chargers game, 17 targets, 15 catches. 
following game against Kansas City, six targets. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh God. Oh, sick. Because this is he's so close, and I think people are going to play him on DraftKings specifically as the PPR fifty five hundred in PPR. If you think that eight. You know, if you think 14 touches from him and seven of them are, are passing targets is a reasonable expectation on this thing, then, then he's just in cash games. Like I And I, and I think you just need to... I don't mind it. People are going to do it, and I think he's kind of high enough floor that it'll, it'll be hard for him to kill you. If you didn't want to go double cheap, would you go James White or Patrick Laird? Laird's 1,400 cheaper. I would play White. Oh, man, I know. I, but it's, 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 it's the price difference. I don't know. This can be, I can do them both. You just go... You go just really high expensive at all the other positions i wonder if that's ultimately what it's going to end up being on DraftKings. we're going to get out of here daily fantasy sports rankings.com is the site like we said if you want to jump over uh, and grab a free trial dfsr.com slash deals you can get in on sunday and talk with us about how we're going to be um, doing lineup construction that we're in there for hours before you know, many hours before lineup lock on sundays talking about all this stuff so go check that out dfsr.com slash deals that also includes optimal lineups for fanduel and DraftKings. Uh, NBA, NFL, NHL, all covered in the one subscription package. Buddy, enjoy week 14 in the NFL. Will do.